0: Hey listeners, I'm Robbie and this is The Breakdown. This week, I am thrilled to be bringing you my conversation with film and television casting director Carly Famelant. Carly is a New York-based casting director who's worked on numerous pilots for CBS Primetime and ABC Primetime. She then transitioned into independent casting, working on Baz Luhrmann's Netflix series The Get Down and Steven Spielberg's The Post, for which her team was nominated for an Arteus Award for Outstanding Achievement in Casting. She's currently the associate at Rory Bergman Casting, working on major studio feature films, independent films, cable, and multiple streaming TV shows. Carly also casts short films and features independently, most recently including Amazon Studios' feature film I'm Your Woman, starring Rachel Brosnahan, and she partnered with Rory on Yearly Departed, the Amazon end-of-year comedy special. Listeners, if you are as confused about the television industry slash audition process as I am, then this is totally an episode for you— Carly walks us through each step of the television audition process, starting with initial conversations about what the writers and directors and showrunners are looking for before the breakdown even goes out. We cover so many important topics, like if you aren't represented, how to effectively reach out and email a television casting director, and what to say to really make them respond to your email. And if you are represented we talk about how to talk to your reps about pushes and what an effective push actually means and if you don't even know what push means then that's totally okay too because carly's gonna talk all about it now because really all we can do right now is make self-tapes for television and commercials and films and things carly gives us some truly killer advice on self-tapes and talks about submitting multiple takes of the same scene since we aren't able to get adjusted by the casting director in the room Now, if all of this has your head spinning, totally do not worry. Carly is about to break down the television industry completely for you in an easy to understand way. And remember, if you like what you hear, please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help other people find the show. All right, listeners, now without further ado, here is my conversation with the kind, passionate, talented, and incredibly intelligent, Carly Thamelant. Carly, thank you so much for chatting with me. I'm so happy to be meeting someone new and having i know—having a new voice on the podcast. And as an actor, I've seen your name attached to emails before, attached to the illegal things <laughs> that some actors may get. Oh, yeah. Um, my manager is a fan of yours as well. So, you know.
1: Who's your manager?
0: Christopher Silveri. Um, oh,
1: great. Love. And,
0: and then... Uh, yeah, and then I'm with CGF for my agents, and you know they love you too. Oh, so I
1: I knew you were a CGF, and I didn't know about Crystal Berry, but that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, thank you for doing this. You're a perfect person to talk to in this in this time, and so I'm grateful for your time.
1: Oh God, I I hope I live up <laughs> to the expectation.
0: You totally will. You totally will. Are you um where in the world are you right now? Let's start there.
1: I. I am in my apartment in Harlem. I haven't left essentially in a year. It's been crazy. My whole family is in L.A. and I haven't been able to see them. Uh, I've just been hunkered down with my two best friends who live really close by. Um, And our third best friend also lives in the neighborhood. So we've kind of had this little pod since last March, which is crazy. And if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would be in existence. I'd be going absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> I totally get that. I can resonate with that. I also live in New York and Manhattan, um, but I've been kind of the opposite. I've just been away for so long. That's but I so nice. I did come back for a month, you know, and we see so much on the news about what New York is like. and But then I've been seeing my friends like social feeds and I've been like, wow, New York actually looks amazing still. Um, and yeah. the month that I spent back there, I went back for like the month of September, which of course is like one of the best times in New York City, but um, but I loved being back and and I miss it and can't wait to get back there.
1: Yeah. Where are you right now?
0: I'm actually in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, my nice. partner's family, uh, his aunt and uncle have a house out here, so, oh, um, so nice. they are away and just said, hey, come stay in our home. So we threw my... Dog in the car, and we drove out here. uh, That is
1: a full dream.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we were actually supposed to leave two days ago, but we're still here. So, So, this is a crazy time, but what's been kind of feeling good is that auditions have started again for television and film. Yeah. And I know that's where you do the bulk of your work, but I'm just wondering if you can start out by chatting. Maybe it's hard to chat about like what we're up to now because it's so maybe not usually what we're up to, or maybe for you it is, or, you know, maybe what was life like when everything stopped, but kind of like what's your current, um, what stuff is coming across your desk? What's, what's work look like right now for you?
1: Yeah. I feel very lucky and kind of shocked that, Things feel kind of how they were when we shut down about a year ago. Our TV shows resumed again, so we're back into episodic casting. Um, we've got Indies we're consulting on. Like there's been a lot of, I think people kind of hunkered down in the lockdown and cleaned up scripts and got like game plans together for a lot of these um, console projects they want to get off the ground. So that's been really fun to tap into all of that stuff as well now that there's so many projects rearing to go. And yeah, we've been, so we've mostly been doing TV. We're doing a search right now for listeners. If anyone's got um, a child who speaks or is conversational in Russian or any Eastern European countries, we're looking for an eight to 10 year old boy for the lead of an ABC pilot that Jimmy Kimmel's making. So cool. that's been really fun. Yeah. So we've got like a full slate. It's pretty nice and well-rounded and we're pretty busy, but I mean, our workflow is entirely different than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of had to relearn how to do our jobs. But it's really surreal having normal amounts of work again. Like, I just didn't expect that to happen. I don't know what I expected to happen. But yeah, it's been very cool.
0: Very cool. It's amazing that television shows have been doing the work and so cautious to not get shut down, you know, because, yeah, you know, people think about maybe the actors first, because that's who they're seeing on TV, but the diligence and safety and the precautions and everything that allows the shows to keep shooting are so important for so many people, the families of the people that work on the shows, you know, everyone that's earning yeah. a paycheck. Yeah,
1: that was our big concern when we were just ready to get started up again. We were like, we need to make sure that we understand the safety protocols because we are putting actors like health and lives on the line that we need to make sure we understand like what the procedures are we want to make sure everyone feels safe because we're kind of the middleman and we don't want to give assurance to anyone going to work that they're going to be safe unless we understand what the process is and how they're going to be safe within that yeah but it's been really amazing to see like the many layers of precautions that productions are taking there's like the testing there's the zoning there's like they have so many um fallback options. Like if one thing doesn't work, there's like a safety net that hopefully will then catch the thing that didn't work before it. So there's like many levels of safety that they're hoping will keep um, everything moving along. Yeah, it's pretty surreal and wild. And there's COVID safety departments and COVID advisors and COVID PAs and coordinators, like suddenly a whole department of a shoot got invented this year. And it's just surreal and wild. But so far, knock on what everything seems to be going well and the stuff is holding up. Yeah. And it's working the way it should.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I know we're, crazy. we're all so grateful for that. And the world is because during quarantine, people ate up all that content on, you know, all their streaming services and people need more arts and actors and designers yeah. and casting directors to do their work to keep bringing us keeping us laughing and telling stories. And so it's, it's wildly important. I'm totally. I'm wondering if you can just, the podcast is called the breakdown, but so I wonder if you could just break down a little bit, a lot of people listening, I think understand the theater audition process a little bit more. It's just a little bit easier to understand, or it's what people were taught in their undergrad and or graduate school, but the yeah. television world you know, for me for such a long time, always felt so mysterious, like, you know, either you send in a self tape, you know, which is obviously what we're doing now, or you go and you're taped nine times out of 10. It's just the casting director in the room that's taping with you. And then you kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, it goes, the tape goes off into the, into the ether. Do you know? Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can kind of just bring us through the process of, you know, initial, maybe initial conversations, say like it's a large co-star or like a guest star or something. Do you have conversations? Actually, I don't even know. Do you have conversations with the director or the producer about the role? And then how many actors do you usually bring in or, or are seeing tapes or in person? Is it different now, that number, based on just everything that's kind of happened? And then how many uh, do you select to then send on to creatives directors? Who, who are those people? And then kind of who makes the final decision? Just kind of that whole trajectory of how it works.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I totally agree. I think it's something that shouldn't be so like veiled in mystery. I don't really understand why we don't do a better job teaching the process in school and like the business side of stuff in school, because it really isn't something the actor shouldn't know or understand it's not it's not the illuminati it's not magic it's um it's just the process so i guess first and foremost we get a script let's i guess we're talking episodic so yeah let's, let's we get a, we get a script for the episode and um we go through and we we kind of make these grids to keep track of everything for ourselves so in our grids we'll list every um series regular who's in the episode just so we're keeping tabs on that uh, every recur who's in the episode and then the whole list of all the new tasks that we're gonna need for the episode. And from there we'll start formulating breakdowns. Uh, usually in the script there's some sort of description of the age, type, whatever kind of is needed for the role. And sometimes there's not. So we'll note both of those things. Either we'll write down exactly as it's written in the script and um and if there's no descriptors whatsoever, um, we'll just kind of put it as a note of like Ask the team if they have a thought here or we do our thoughts ourselves. Um, Interesting. And then you read and yeah, so sometimes it's really concrete and you're like, oh, I see exactly what they're looking for. They've really spelled it out and great physical and uh, emotional descriptors. Other times it's completely open and they're like, I don't know, it's just we need someone and you can tell us who we need. Um, So then you read the script and sometimes by reading the script, you get a better sense of both of those things. So both the things they've written really concretely that they're looking for and it helps as you read it to kind of play in that imaginary headspace. It's very similar to acting in a weird way where you kind of, or reading a book, you lose yourself in the, what you see and what you feel of it. Um, and Broy, who I work with, and I will both read it independently and kind of do our notes and then we'll discuss it and I'll be like, oh, i totally read it like this. And she's like, oh, that's funny. I read it exactly like that too. And that means, oh, we should totally talk about this person. And then we start like, balling ideas like that or sometimes I'm like oh this is exactly how I read it and she's like oh I read it totally different and there's a lot of value in both of those experiences so we kind of do then we write out the breakdowns kind of based on all those conversations and text research and pulling out what was written and then we send the breakdown draft to the team and have a conversation with them kind of like a concept meeting where we'll say like please give us feedback and tell us if you want something different, more specific. If you want to tweak ages types, if we can open it up, if we need to make it more narrow, we kind of have all of those chats.
0: And who is part of those? Is it the writer and director and the producers or like is it everyone or is it usually just the director that's kind of weighing in?
1: For TV, the showrunner is kind of king. So the showrunner kind of has like the broad season arc Mm -hmm. in mind as they're looking at stuff. And then we put the episodic director on all of those Email conversations as well but they're a little bit more they come in for one episode they don't necessarily know what this character will be doing down the down the line so they'll have thoughts like oh i think that's helpful for this episode and the showrunner can weigh in and say well actually i think we need something a little different because in six episodes from now this thing's going to happen um cool so yeah so the episodic director will weigh in the showrunner the writer um if it's applicable it kind of depends on the show and the team too it kind of there's not like a so much a hard and fast group rule, I guess. Um, and that you kind of feel out as well. We put the producers on it. Some producers are more hands-on and want to be involved. Some are less hands-on. You kind of just get a sense of who wants to weigh in and how and uh, who we wait for the answers for, who just wants to be in the loop to read it but doesn't want to like necessarily weigh in. Um, that you just kind of learn through the process. So then we get, we get the initial feedback. We have those conversations. And then we release the breakdowns uh, on Breakdown Express To the agents and managers to submit on, and simultaneously, kind of as it started earlier in those conversations, we'll make our own lists of people that just immediately came to mind, or we'll kind of do our own rabbit holes of. uh, We love to go down rabbit holes of different projects we've worked on in the past, or look at like other roles that were maybe similar to help like our brainstorming navigation rabbit hole, and then we supplement our personal ideas with the breakdown ideas, and we get pushes emailed to us from the reps and kind of compile all of that into uh, the auditions we request. Um,
0: and I'm so curious, pushes are always so interesting to me, right? Because like sometimes the yeah. actor is like pushing their agent and then the agent gets on the phone with you or something. What do yeah. What's a push conversation on the phone with a rep sound like? Do, you, do they just pick up the phone and they're like, you should see Carly because... I don't know, like what are the, you know, obviously yeah. they're not always the same, but it's just such an interesting, like what, may, what will, what's a successful push like? I guess let's start there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, no, I love that we're having these conversations because I'm sure as the actor, you wondered like where where does this go? And then I can help shed light on that. Yeah. Um, I really like pushes that come through in email just because then they have all of the actor's materials right there. Um, I always find it a little difficult when someone calls and they like have this long conversation and I'm like listening and I know where I'm going to go It's say, can you now just email me everything you said so I can like visually look at the person and watch their reel and get a sense of it. But right. um, there's never any harm in picking up the phone and calling anyone. Um, I just always feel bad when I'm like, we've had a great conversation and I'm not going to say yes because I want to look at their material. So can you email it to me? Um, but yeah, so I like when I get an email and it's got, because also sometimes we get emails from reps that are like, So you want to see X person, right? And we're like, I don't know if I know X person. Like, why did you not send their materials? And we always feel like kind of mean that we're like, can you send over their reel or like their stuff so we can get a sense of who this person is in case we don't know them. And sometimes they email the stuff and we're like, oh, we do know this person. Other times we're like, we don't know them. How could you expect us just from this name push to know, to see your client or not? So I always like when material is sent. Um, I guess a successful push to me, is Yeah, it's being strategic and thoughtful about it. It's not pushing for the sake of just trying to like inundate us with as many clients as you could get in. It's really looking at the breakdown and knowing, oh, maybe you don't know my actor that I think has a lot of skills that you're looking for and being really thoughtful and specific about why you're taking the time to email versus just submit that person and why it's important to the rep and the actor to have that special highlight sent over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's being, it's being strategic and thoughtful and yeah. Knowing if it's an office that you as the actor are really passionate about getting in for because, you know, the kinds of projects they work on and you have that conversation with your reps and you say, like, I would love if anything seems kind of specifically right for me in Rory Berkman's office, maybe shoot them a push about it. I would love to meet them. Um, so then that could be something they include in the email or something that's like, I don't think you've ever met this person. I They're a great client this is a strength that you're looking for. And that's something they totally have. And I thought this would be a great role for you to meet them on, you know, that's always a nice way in. And just essentially, for me, anything that adds humanity into these conversations, I respond very well to. Um, It's something that like, because I I started as an actor, like, I would forget when I was at, at NYU, like, I would like, email these people and forget that, like, they're just another person on the other side of the email reading the email. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would like send a self tape and I'd be like, Oh, I'm embarrassed by that tape. And it's like, well, then why would I send it? Cause another human is going to be looking at it. Like I should make it something that I'm, I feel like is a, is clean and professional because there's a human receiving it. It's not a robot. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of keeping that stuff in mind. Like the, the general not specific kind of automated thing as a human, I'm not going to respond as well to, but, if there's a human element to it, it's going to make me really read it and connect to it. I feel that way with actors reaching out directly to like, I always really stop and read the email when it's like, someone actually knows who they're emailing. And that's me, like, if they're going to reach out, um, because they saw a role. I always like really stop and really think about it. If they're like, Oh, I've seen the kinds of things you work on. And I've been keeping my eye for Things I could be right for for this project because I love this project because of X, Y, and Z. Not that it has to be a long essay, but mm-hmm. if you just take that that one second to write that one personal sentence about really why you're reaching out and not just because you're reaching out to everyone and want a job, I think it's more effective.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and I'm thinking I've been thinking about that in every aspect of obviously life, but also the business. You know, oh. if you're reaching out. To anyone, you know, it's just it It can feel like, oh, it needs to be like a very clean and professional. But then also we're people who are also going through this yeah. collective life crisis, do you know, like, I don't know. There's something about that that, you know, that that totally makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. For sure.
0: So you get yeah. your submissions from your agent from
1: agents. We go through all the submissions. And I would say the good thing about this moment that we're in is we have a greater reach with self-tapes right now. We aren't filling our days with specific appointment times where we can fit 15 people in a day. We can request 60 self-tapes instead of just thinking of it as like, oh, well, we have to be more specific and selective and pick 20 people we wanna see for this role. Like we can really see as many people as we want. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes much less time to watch self-tapes and move through a huge batch of them Than it does to be in the room so i mean obviously the downside is you're missing the human element and connection of it and being able to adjust in the room but i've been really impressed by the quality of self tapes we've gotten i think for the majority of them you know once in a while you're like oh if only we had been in the room i could have just said one sentence and this whole tape would have just been solved but that person doesn't understand the context and it's not their fault like it just could be solved in the room but more or less i think it's been really impressive how the actors have been able to navigate auditioning themselves so successfully um and yeah it's been really really effective we haven't needed to do we've kind of thought we'll do these big kind of rounds of pre-reads and then we'll uh narrow it down and do zoom callbacks or something we just again because we're reinventing our process had no idea what to expect once we got back into it but we've been kind of amazed more or less we've entirely cast off of tape we've done maybe two or three zoom auditions and it's usually because the actor has tech issues and can't get a reader so we'll offer up that we can read with them but we really haven't had to resort to zoom to fix the problems like actors are doing a great job Mm -hmm. um it certainly made our job easier in a lot of ways which is cool and weird and i hope actors are feeling the same way that it's kind of an opportunity to get more auditions or be more like in charge of their artistry in that way. Mm. I also really miss the in-person element, obviously. It's why we do this and why we got into it in the first place. But um, yeah, so we we will will request a bunch of tapes.
0: And let me just ask about self-tapes for a second. I mean, this could be like a whole separate conversation, but I loved that you kind of, I loved everything you just said. Let me ask you and your, like, you know, specific to you in your office. Yeah. So say like I'm taping or something for, I, I I don't know, really like anything, um whether it's a series regular or a two line co-star, talk to me because you're not in the room to give an adjustment, right? To be like, oh, actually, like, I know this is where the team is like trying to go with it. You know, obviously you're going to put as much as you can in that breakdown. But what about actors submitting one or two or three takes of a different scene just based on like i guess it could go this way or sometimes i'm like it could go this way um how how do you all feel about that
1: we you know every office has their own thoughts on this we really encourage multiple takes especially now when you're operating in a vacuum if your impulse is to explore kind of different sides of the spectrum because you're not sure if the context isn't if you if you're not getting enough context clues to make a decision about where it should fall Mm -hmm. i think experimenting is a hundred percent fine and sending multiple takes is great because it gives us more options and we can only send along the ones that we think are more are most applicable or strongest and we will just hold back the others because again we are the advocates for the actor we're not there to judge and you know cancel out the actor's work or to support the actor's work so if you send us yeah a couple takes of something and we're like oh this one's the strongest and kind of fits mostly like what we're what we're looking for in this part we'll just not send the others Mm -hmm. and no harm no foul yeah, I think multiple takes is really great, but I, yeah, it's funny. I really do think everything that you need as an actor really ends up being on the page. And, you know, there's so many like acting schools and philosophies and and it's like, I just wish that more teaching was just about like, look at what's in front of you and absorb every single word because it's mostly going to be everything you need to know. And there's not I don't wanna take myself out of the process, but there's not that much that you need our feedback for in the end, because we're all working off of the same document. Of course, we have a bit more knowledge because we've had conversations with the team and we've kind of seen the way choices have gone and what they're responding to, but it's amazing how much you can put together with just the context clues on the page, with all the information from the breakdown of understanding the parameters that you can play in just by knowing, What network is this on? Who's directing it? Who's producing it? Who are the executive producers? Like every single piece of information and every word is valuable, especially now when you're working in a vacuum and taking all of that into account as you begin your kind of research process to then into the more creative thinking process and merging them together into your audition is mostly, I think, gonna give you the information that you need. Um, Very rarely have I seen people send tapes in where I'm like, oh, you've played two very opposite sides of the spectrum just to show range but you're not but because when you do that it kind of you forget you're not playing within the context that you've been given so mostly I feel like the multiple takes that we've received are just different versions within the parameters that you would expect from the kind of show it is Mm -hmm. which is exactly correct yeah um yeah always experiment not for the sake of proving that you can experiment but Showing if you're like, oh, I, I see there's different ways in, but that all makes sense for this world or for this character, or for this story or for the tone of the show. Like, that's exactly right. But we don't need to see, like, your high comedy and your high drama version. Like, we know that you can do that. You're an actor. Um, just show us how to play within the world.
0: That's so, that so well said. I love that. Like, experimenting within the context of the script and all the other clues yeah. like you said you're given. like. What other shows, you know, if it's a show that's already on, obviously you can watch the show and just get the vibe. Exactly. Like, what else did yeah. this person write? You know, all those other things. Mm-hmm. And then kind of experiment within that, you know, that perfect, I'm thinking like a Venn diagram of like that. perfect. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: exactly. Scenario. Is there, yeah. is there
0: anything, um, this is a little on the spot, but like, is there anything that you've been, you've been watching probably more self-tapes, I imagine, than you ever have before? Is there anything yeah. you've been ruminating on or thinking like, I wish actors or, or like, I wish I could tell an actor this about a tape or, or this is something yes. a few actors have been doing that I think is super effective um, or, or unaffected. I'm so ready for this question. Great, great,
1: Absolutely. Yes. I hope every actor on planet Earth is listening to my sage advice right now. I hope uh, no, every actor is listening um... to this too. <laughs> I hope for you, everyone is listening to your podcast. Yeah. Um, No, I think there's a couple things that have become really clear to me. Um, One, kind of what I said before, like, don't forget the human element of this. You're not sending your tape to a robot. So do you feel proud, not proud of, but do you feel okay knowing that someone up to the top of the highest food chain is looking at your tape, just purely on quality, like not even talking about performance. Like, do you feel comfortable with the director or a showrunner? or an executive signing off and approving this specific tape because it's probably the only tape that's going to come across all their desks to give you this part or not. So Mm -hmm. is it well lit? Is your, I mean, this is a terrible, you know, example, but like just hanging like a sheet behind you. And if you don't have a real backdrop and you can get so many cheap backdrops and things on Amazon now that having a little home setup that you can just throw up behind you and keep the frame kind of tight. If you're like strapped for cash, you can just get like a bounce on Amazon and keep in front of a window. So you have the natural light with like a desk lamp and it does wonders. Um, cameras on phones are amazing these days and always filming horizontal instead of vertical, because when your tape gets uploaded vertically, we lose everything and it just has giant black bars on the side. And it just. Do you get away vertical tapes? Constantly. And it makes me crazy. Cause I'm like, again it's just doing a disservice to you as the actor like we can't see your full performance if you tape horizontally it's just we just see more of the world Mm -hmm. than if we were kind of in this skinny thing so keeping just the technical clean aspects in mind I think number one is super important because yeah it just it then I can just turn my brain off and watch the performance and I'm not thinking like oh should we have him tape but with better lighting or oh I can't really hear him his sound is muffled like just as an actor do yourself a favor if you are one of those people that cannot watch your own performance just skip through it and just check the tech and make sure like you feel good knowing uh the network executive will sign off on this tape if it's put in front of them yes um so that's like kind of number one of just check your tech and then two for me a tape goes from a fine tape to an excellent tape just by adding an environment work it's like so much of our, so many actors come from theater backgrounds. And when they're transitioning into film and TV, think that like you have to act inside of this little box and you forget all of your theater training and incorporating your body and the way that you would play on a stage and set up like the world around you. And like, that's what makes something come to life is when we get to watch you inhabit a a, a space in a world. And I suspend my disbelief and join you there if you're playing there. But it's hard for me to invent that for you if you're not doing that yourself. A tape really, yeah, it really changes an entire performance. Like, um, say you're doing a scene where it's cold outside, you know, kind of acting 101. Like, I don't, just because it's a film and TV audition doesn't mean I need you to just sit in the chair and do your lines to the reader in front of you. Like, you can stand, you can play the weather, you know, we want to see, you can take those beats to like, look around if you're waiting for a person, like, set the whole environment and your space around you and make again, the parameters of which you're playing and really clear and we'll meet you there. And it just makes the whole thing come, come to life. And also the beauty of film and TV auditions is you can play with face and eyeline and you can incorporate the use of props a little bit. Like if you're doing a scene where you're having a confrontation in a coffee shop and it's uncomfortable, you probably wouldn't be square planted in your seat directing all of your energy towards that person. Like maybe holding a coffee mug while you tape is helpful because it gives you a little something to like to fiddle with or curl around or, you know, you can cheat your eye line. So you, you're you cheating to the side and then you only look at them when it's important or when you're ready to connect with them because it's uncomfortable. Like that's how we respond as humans in these situations. So never forgetting space, body, humanity, our theater training. It comes from the ground up. It's just channels and the energy can be manipulated and directed in different ways, but it's it's all what makes a tape come to life and special and really magical. So those are the things I've really noticed in this time is like good tech and environment work. And I'm like, this is an amazing tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so simple. Um, even like recently we were doing a scene where there's like cops in a car and they're talking, the cop is talking to their partner and they're like on a stakeout. So you know, the scene would probably like you can take your time. You can play with time and musicality. It doesn't have to just be like line, 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 line. As sometimes, like, we get nervous as actors of like holding too much space or, you know, like, but really, like, it helps us understand time frame. If you're sitting there for a while, your eye line is to the side of you a little bit without losing you to camera. But because the person sitting next to you that you're talking to, it would make sense that you would shoot the conversation there, not necessarily just to wherever your reader is in the room. So, thinking about where your scene partner is in space, who your scene partner is, all of that stuff. It's like, it is just really kind of going back to acting one-on-one, but it's easy to forget when you get caught up in, you know, the, the medium of it all. Yeah, for sure. For
0: sure. That's that's great. I I'm... Like loving listening to this. It's it's so right on. <laughs> God. Um, and then it's like
1: I want to scream from the rooftops. It's like, don't forget your body. Where are you? Yes, yes. <laughs> Show me. <laughs> yes,
0: and don't forget all that acting training and humanity, being a human. I love that we keep talking about that. It's it's so important. Yeah,
1: it's always my first note. Is like after I'm doing a scene with someone or in a class or something. I always say first like, who are you and who are you talking to and where are you? It's like acting one hundred and one questions and. The more that you can clarify those things for yourself, the clearer your scene is and every beat of the scene, because you're responding to all of these environmental triggers. Mm-hmm.
0: And then this is my last self-tape question, just like a super technical yeah. thing. Do you want actors to put it together and edit all the things together in an iMovie with a slate? Or do you want like separate files? Or um, And do you want the slate at the end or the beginning? Or, you know, these are the things I lie awake thinking about. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. Um, I personally like it when it's separate takes mm. and you have a separate slate. It doesn't matter to me if it's the slate's first or last. I like separate takes or separate clips for each take because then it's easier for me to decide which takes are the strongest that I want to send versus having to then cut it myself because we don't, especially if right now, because you can send in multiple takes, you don't necessarily want to limit yourself to like, oh, I've picked the best three and those first scene one, two, and three and I'm gonna fuse them all together and make this perfect package. Like again, we're kind of less interested. We're not the end person that's gonna see it. Mm-hmm. So for us it's almost like we don't want to look at it like it's your scrap paper, you know, we wanna see a more put together mm-hmm. package, but it doesn't have to be perfect because that's kind of our job to reorganize and maybe sometimes we're like, oh, take two is stronger than take one. So let's move take two first and then take one will be after it. Like we'll kind of fuss around with it, but keeping it like on your side, clean with tech and maybe limiting it to two takes of each scene, maybe if it's really, if there's a real reason for it, three and sending those into separate clips, I always find really useful and always including a slate is always, is great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. But it's definitely not like we're not over here being like, how dare they do it like this format or that format, but we we will work with anything. But it is a little easier when it's separated for me.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, how many people do you end up seeing for a role? And I know it's different depending on what, you know, it's on, co-star, guest star, but maybe let's say it's like a one episode, co-star, two scene, something like that. How many people were you seeing pre COVID and then maybe how many people do you see now? And then how many people do you end up sending on? How many tapes do you usually end up sending on to creatives?
1: It's so hard to quantify because sometimes it's luck of the draw. Like we'll put out requests and sometimes we, the first 10 tapes we get in are also great that we're like, Oh, we'll just send these 10 and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't even kind of continue down that journey. Um, Yeah, sometimes it depends on how specific the role is. Sometimes it depends on if it's a role similar to something we've seen. Sometimes we'll just pull together people that we know have done a good job that we're looking to try to spot into the show and kind of just collect those people and send them. Um, I mean, I would say on average, we send just very generally speaking probably around six to eight choices per role Mm -hmm. just very generally um and yeah we can see anywhere from six to 70 Mm -hmm. people per role um it's really a wide scope and you know sometimes we'll do a first pass and send it to the team and they have notes and feedback and because sometimes both us and the team don't really know what we're looking for until we see it Mm -hmm. so we can do a first round of something and be like, "I don't know, does this seem right?" And they'll be like, "Oh this does, but what if we try going further in this direction or that direction, and we'll put out another either another round of tape requests, or we'll go through all the tapes again and pull different people to send based on the feedback and send a new batch. So it really it's really hard to say because it changes so much yeah no that's helpful but I think in terms of demystifying the process yeah it probably to give to make the actor feel a little bit better I think it is helpful that it's not so cut and dry that it's not like you must make it in within these 30 tapes requested and then these six tapes sent like there is so much that changes from role to role and within the process that it kind of takes some of the pressure off of the actor of trying to like control the situation and understand it because like, honestly we don't have control or understand it either. So mm-hmm. um, I would say if that brings anyone comfort, go down that path. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> it's just Trying to quantify it all. Yeah. It's hard
0: for theater. It feels a little bit like, you know, a little bit more of what's going on or the directors in the room or, you know, the artistic director, but with television, it's just, it's just kind of hard to understand the process or what happens. Yeah. Do you ever let agents or managers know that you're sending their clients tape on to the creatives?
1: You know, I uh, part of I think why the film and TV side is a bit more esoteric and confusing is because it moves really quickly. Yeah. We the turnover is really fast, so. It's unfortunate because we don't have a lot of time to give feedback and often reps will ask for feedback for actors and we just don't really have the luxury of diving into feedback for everyone or the luxury of telling everyone whose tapes are getting sent along or where they are in the process. So it's funny, I think that as you said that it just made me think I bet that's the reason actors often feel excluded and confused by the process is purely because we don't really spend time letting people in to the process just because it moves really quickly. And we try to stay very focused on the end goal. But I think that is where a bit of the disconnect comes from that it's, it's less that we're trying to hide it and keep it secret. And more that like we just get wrapped up in trying to get to the finish line that we don't let everyone know what the steps have been, you know, what steps we're at in the process. Um, I would say we definitely let reps know if it looks like, they're you know if they need to maybe shave for the role like if they've got a beard or if there's some sort of change in appearance that they need to like mentally prepare for and we'll need to check with them about if there's a rehearsal or like specific dates coming up like it kind of often has to do with timeline Mm -hmm. um that we'll check in with the reps and be like hey we're sending their tapes to the team we'll have a choice hopefully in the next couple of days like double checking this person's still in new york and they're available and would they be willing to shave and can they make this rehearsal? So it's more, we'll kind of clue people into where they're, where we are in the process. If we want to make sure that they're kind of like loosely pinned or we have like more information. So that tends to be where that falls. Um, We try to let, especially if we've like pinned and checked in on people that they know that we're sending their tapes to let them know if it's not going further for them. So they're not waiting indefinitely. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about more like traditionally structured episodic television is, you're given the outside dates for the episode. So you kind of understand when prep and pre-production will be happening, when they kind of have to have choices by if the episode is shooting or it's past the outside dates, you know, you probably didn't get it because it's past the window of shooting. So we kind of just assume that the, the dates kind of give the answers, but it does take a lot of like humanity out of the
0: process for sure. Can you just quickly define getting pinned? Because my agent called me at, at one point. And she was like, oh, um, yeah, you got pinned for this project. And I was like, I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> As yeah. in
1: like, bye-bye, Bertie,
0: sure. like, I got pinned. So, yeah, what? because it's confusing, you know, because it's like you of kind course. of got it, but you didn't yet, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, an office we work with in LA called it watch and advise, which I love versus being pinned. I think it's a bit more descriptive. Being put on watch and advise or being pinned kind of means – We're circling a choice. You are one of a few people that is likely going to be the choice, but there's not an official verdict for whatever reason, whether it be dates are in flux, um, they still haven't decided for what their final choice is for the creative, you know, whatever the reason might be. We want to be the first person that knows anything that could come up in our window of dates. Mm-hmm. to make sure that you're still available for consideration as we're waiting for official choices. Sometimes we'll pin a couple of people if we're getting ready to send approvals out, but we don't know if the actors are approved. I mean, nine and a half times out of 10, everyone that we send is approved, but it also mm-hmm. depends on the network. So sometimes we'll pin backup choices in case the network doesn't approve the first choice, um, which is not always the case. Sometimes we'll I would say mostly we pin because our team likes a couple of people and they just haven't made a creative decision about where they want to go with the role yet. So we kind of put you on like a hold for mm-hmm. the dates. It's an, un, an unpaid hold, I guess. Um, and then as soon as, and then we check in and we make sure that you're still clear and we, we stay in close communication with the reps in that time, we watch and advise. And then as soon as we have a decision, we can pull the trigger and send you the offer and lock it in. And we'll unpin the other choices to say that it's gone in a different direction and you're released for the dates. Mm-hmm. Um, So I guess, yeah, does that help? Totally. That clarify? Yes, yeah. totally.
0: Carly, this has gone by so fast. I like just looked at the time and I'm like, oh my gosh, we are... I,
1: this is my problem is I could talk forever same, about this. Show. Same, same, I could nerd out forever um, and ramble. So, okay.
0: Well, it's so wildly helpful. And you've said some incredible things and it's been so helpful to... Hear your perspective and hear about the film and television world because um, most of the cast directors I've been speaking to are theater casting directors. But it's so important right yeah. now to you know actors are getting television appointments and a lot of them. And yeah. so it's it's and just making self tapes in general. The things you said about self tapes, I think, are important for theater self tapes. You know, for everything. Totally.
1: So, yeah.
0: Um. I just have like one little follow up last question. Um, okay. If you could tell yourself you know and we didn't even like it to hear about your journey from nyu to <laughs> casting and everything like that that will be follow up we can do follow-up. a follow-up episode totally, totally. <laughs> you know what's something that you know if you could think about going back when you were just getting out of school or when you were in your young 20s that you kind of wish you knew about the business maybe we don't have to talk about casting specifically oh, so it can be about casting but just something that you kind of like learned over time and you're like oh man like maybe this is a personal thing, like, man, Carly, like, I wish, I wish I could have told myself this or, you know, this is kind of the way things are working or this is something you've learned.
1: It doesn't have to be profound,
0: but just anything that maybe is coming up for
1: you. That's a really good question. Yeah. I think for me, I really wish I could go back in time and change my perspective on the actor's place and the casting director's place in the process I think I gave the casting director and the creative team like too much agency over myself. Like when I was an actor, I think I I approached it as more of like, oh, I should be a an empty vessel or a blank canvas and come in as this thing that they can mold and be what they want me to be. And it's that is so not what we want. We don't, we're in fact kind of turned off and disinterested in the blank slate actor. Like we want to see you come in and bring a piece of yourself and your choices and uh your authenticity and who you are. And then we can play from there. But it gives us something to understand and connect to and work with. Like we're looking for connection. And we're looking for humanity and we're looking for someone who like owns themselves and their artistry. Like I wish I I think I spent so much time thinking like, oh well who do they want me to be and wh- what should I look like and what should I wear? What's my type and what's my look and like it's like why I never was interested in the end of being an actor. I was like, I I can't do this. Like, this is too much and too stressful for me. Um, I don't know who I am, but it's, you know, I think that is a really important journey and process that you kind of have to figure out as an actor. It's like, how do I feel comfortable just being me? And we don't, well, the camera and us, but especially the camera can sense when you're lying. Like when you're not really connected and when you're not telling the truth and when you're not, feeling like you're grounded and in ownership of what you're doing. And yeah, it's a really big thing that I have now come to appreciate so much. I love when someone comes in and is dressed like themselves, obviously, like with through the lens of whatever we need for this character, but they come in and they're like, this is me and I feel good. And this is what I need to succeed in the room right now. And sometimes I need the chair here and my prop here or my water here. And it's like, I love those kinds of actors that come in and and own what they're doing and who they are in the space and because then I can yeah I can see who they are and what they're doing and how they're bringing themselves to the character and work from there and it gives you so many places to push it and play it and it's so interesting because it's that person's version of it versus coming in and saying like what do you want me to do and it's like I don't I don't know what do you want to do who are you it's like I I just never really understood that relationship and that dynamic when I was in school um but it's something you hear, but you don't really understand. I think until you start kind of getting into it and spending more time in rooms as an actor, or for me, as soon as I entered casting, I was like, "Oh, I get that thing that they were trying to kind of tell me in that weird way." But and it, it's the same as a casting director. I think the more that I feel like I'm connected to myself and my tastes and my impulses and um, you know all the all the things that make me excited and tick, it's that's what makes me good at my job. So the more we can all just be ourselves, I think the better. Um, it's really the takeaway, and it sounds kind of cheesy and cliche, but you just have to hear it over and over to finally like let it sink in and understand that we don't want you to come in in jewel tones and something unspecific, you know? like <laughs> I want you to be specific, make you a specific person because we're all specific people. And the more we can own that and see how that translates into our performance and or the receiving end of that performance and the teaching end of that performance, you know, the better. So, yeah.
0: For sure. Oh, that was so good. That was a good answer. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, you're looking for specific people because you're looking for people to play specific people on television. So, and it. Yeah.
1: Expenses. And it's exactly. It's cast. Really every role is cast contingent. I think if you think about it that way, it's you're not trying to smoosh yourself into this mold to fit this idea of what this person has created. You're looking to bring yourself to it and make it your version of whatever this, the way you inhabit that thing is. So it's, yeah, it's a a perspective shift for sure.
0: Amazing. Amazing. For sure. Inspiring. Carly, thank you so much. This was so exactly what I think of when I think of why I started the podcast and um, what I'm looking to help other people understand or... Yeah. so many of us have learned it just over the years of being in this business but i kind of was like man i wish i could have heard some of this stuff when i was just getting out of school or when i was younger because i could have me more efficiently or taken the stress i think people will listen to you speaking and it will take the stress off of you know that i have to do something or be something or or what you know what do i do yeah so um so thank you so much i so i so appreciate it of course For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit TheBreakdownPodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Facebook and Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. And again, if you like what you heard, help spread the word. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening, and stay tuned for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!